We waited on you, Mike. Yeah. All right, good morning, everybody. So my crew is my crew is sick, and Clayton sounds like an air compressor. He can't drink his bottle and breathe. I told Maria this morning he sounded like it reminded me of what uh, Ernest T. Bass said about talking out his nose. He did it so he could talk while he ate. That's kind of what Clayton's doing. He's trying to trying to breathe through his nose and, and drink his bottle at the same time, and it ain't working because he can't breathe. So everybody's got a cold, and I'm still trying to get over whatever I got going on. So I may hack and cough a little bit this morning, but it'll be all right. Um, we're going to be over Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5 this morning, and we're going to look at God's laws for a moment. We're going to look at what Jesus says about God's laws. And the more I, I think, I think we all do this, we, we all kind of come up with excuses on why we sin. Have you ever thought about it? What, why we do what we do? We have excuses. We come up with our own reasons why we do what we do. And we know that we're sinning and we know that we're not supposed to, but we always come up with excuses. And one of the excuses that we come up with is I'm not under the law, but I'm under grace. I'm not under law, I'm under grace. With those seven words, we try to, to pardon ourselves of any spiritual responsibility that we might have uh, to. Uh, to uh, to might have to, to go towards our behavior, try to make up excuses for why we act the way that we act, why we say what we say and do what we do. Uh, we try to use that. I'm under grace, not the law. And we're going to read what Jesus has to say about that this morning. It's more like don't judge me a lot of times. You know, we tell people, uh, I do this because I want to, don't judge me. Don't, that's not your responsibility. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what you say, what you have to say, or what you think about this. I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm under grace. That's our excuse. I'm under grace. Does grace give us an eternal get-out-of-jail-free card? Have you ever thought of it that way? That's the way we look at it. If you play Monopoly before, that's the way we look at it. Everybody loves that get-out-of-jail-free card, don't they? You're doing good. You bought up Park Avenue. You've got all these nice little uh, resorts and all these houses and all this stuff over uh, playing Monopoly, and then you get, the, you get in trouble. But then what do you do? You whip out your get-out-of-jail-free card, and you lay that down, and you just keep on trucking. That's the way we look at grace. I can do what I want to. I've got this card. I've been saved. My name is pinned down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I can do what I want to. That's not the way we ought to look at it. We need to be careful with what we do in this life. We might fall under the age of grace. We do, but we still got to follow the laws. We got to follow the rules that God has laid out before us right here. Does grace really trump the law? Now, somehow we've got an idea that Jesus stamped the Old Testament with big red letters that says null and void. When Jesus came, we kind of forget about the laws. We forget about the Ten Commandments. We forget about the things that the prophets have told us and the things that were written down in the Old Testament. We tend to forget about that, but we're not supposed to. It's in the Bible. Whatever's in the Bible is what we follow. These are our guidelines as Christians. We follow the rules. A lot of people don't like to follow the rules. A lot of us are rule breakers. We like to go against the rules sometimes. But the old saying, rules are made to be broken. Maybe, but not these. Not these. These are a different set of rules. These are our guidelines as Christians. These are our guidelines as a church. These are our guidelines as followers of Jesus. These are the rules that we follow right here. Don't break these. 
If we break them, we can ask for forgiveness, and we'll get that forgiveness, but we're not supposed to want to break these rules. We're not supposed to want to go against the Word of God. That's the last thing that we as Christians, as we as a church, ought to ever want to do is go against the Word of God. You will get in trouble if you go against the will of God or go against the Word of God. We don't need that. We have drawn the conclusion that the Old Testament no longer matters. There's churches nowadays that don't even preach Old Testament. They will stick with the Gospels, they'll go with the New Testament, but they don't touch the Old Testament because they feel like it just don't matter anymore. It does matter. It matters a lot. We probably ought to be in the Old Testament a lot more than we are in the New Testament sometimes. We think that it's a, it really don't apply to us, and it's just a collection of historical books. It applies, it is historical books, but it still applies to us. We are to read those and study those. Now, a lot of people think that, that the only thing that they really have to follow is the Ten Commandments. That's the only thing out of the Old Testament that anybody ever really wants to talk about is the Ten Commandments. The, yeah, they'll talk about creation. They'll talk about Noah and the ark and, and the flood. And, and sometimes they'll talk about David and, and maybe Goliath. And they'll talk about a couple of the Old Testament things. But one of the things that, that, that well, one of the main things that they can remember, though, is the Ten Commandments. And now they're trying to modify the Ten Commandments to make it one commandment. The only thing that anybody really wants to not do is kill. So we've gone from the Ten Commandments to the One Commandments, and that One Commandment, and it's Thou shalt not kill. They're trying to modify that because they don't want to follow the rules. Nobody wants to follow or be a, a good follower of the, the law, the rules that God has laid before us. Nobody wants that. We, we like to do our own thing. This morning, Jesus is going to show us we still have to follow those rules. We have to. If you got your Bibles open to Matthew 5, 17, stand with me just a moment. Matthew 5, 17. Matthew 5, 17 is the salt of the earth. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For, it, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall let no wise pass from the law. Till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall not whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, this ex <clears throat> that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Conley, will you open us up, please? Amen. You can have a seat. If I get squeaky up here, I promise I've hit puberty. I'm not doing it while I'm up here. First rule we're going to look at this morning, the first thing we're going to look at this morning is the rules still apply to us today. <clears throat> the, very, the very thing Jesus is telling us and the very thing that we need to understand is we still have to follow the rules. We have to. It's, it's what Jesus is telling us to do. Even though we want to go against it sometimes, and a lot of us have uh, authority problems, a lot of us, have authority problems where we don't want to go 
or we don't want to do what someone above us says. What does that typically do to you in life? It'll, it'll get, you, get you in trouble. might get you fired from, from work if you try to go against what the boss says. But the rules they do still apply to us. Verse 17, 18, again, it says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For ver- verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall it in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. I like it. That last part there talks about all fulfilled. We'll talk about that in a minute. But before we get too deep into this one, we need to get a better understanding of what the rules are. We don't think about the rules much anymore. Again, we, we look at the Old Testament and we just think about the Ten Commandments. That's the only rules that we really think about, but there's so much more in the Old Testament that we need to be pulling out of this. When the Bible speaks of the law, it used to cover a very broad subject. Very, very broad subject. First, the law speaks of the Ten Commandments. We know that. We talk about that pretty often. Second, it refers to the Torah or the first five books of the Bible. That's what Torah stands for or means is first five books of the Bible. So we have the Ten Commandments, and then it also covers the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So we've got the first five books of the Bible. So we're covering Ten Commandments, first five books. Then third, it refers to the law and the prophets, which is the all of the Old Testament. So you see what we're doing now? We've got Ten Commandments. We've got the first, first five books of the Bible, now the whole entire Old Testament, and what the prophets have to say. The fourth refers to the oral law, or what the, the scribal law is what we call it. So it refers to the oral or the scribal law. And let me explain that to you a little bit better so it makes more sense. When the Jews went into captivity in Babylon, they were there without a temple. They did not have... The, the synagogue did not have the place to worship like they used to, so they had to do their own thing. They didn't have that, uh, the, pre, the temple priesthood is what I meant to say. So they came up with what they now have in the synagogue worship, and it's still the same today. The synagogue worship, they do their own thing because they don't have the temple. The temple has not been rebuilt yet. We're still waiting on that third one to come on back here. In synagogue worship, scribes will give opinions about the, the scripture and what it meant. They give their opinion about what it meant we all have opinions about what things mean in the bible don't we we all read it we read we, we, what we just read verse 17 through 20 right here every one of us all however many are here this morning we've read that and we're going to have however many different people are here we'll have that many different opinions about what this means because it's going to apply to each one of us differently every one of us can read that and it's going to mean something different to us in synagogue worship, these scribes would give these opinions what they thought the Scripture meant. This is where the oral and the scribal law came from. Every place in the Scripture where the law is condemned, this is the law that is being condemned. It is the oral or scribal law that's being condemned. It's man's opinion. It's not what the Bible says. It's what man is saying that the Bible says. So they, they're, I'll call it misinterpreting. So they're taking it out of context. They're trying to make it apply to their lives. So we, and we still do that too. It's not just back in the Old Testament, just not the scribal law. We do things in this life, and we try to make, make it to where it doesn't go against the Bible. Well, you know, over here in, in this scripture, it says you, you can't do this, but if you go to this scripture, it says you can do this, or just the opposite. We try to make it, fit our lives and that's not what we're to be doing that's not what the scribes are supposed to be doing they cannot they were misinterpreting what god's word was saying 
uh, every place in Scripture where the law was condemned, I'll say it one more time, this is the law that is being condemned. It's the oral or scribal law here, not the Ten Commandments or the Old Testament or the prophets. They were just man-made laws added to God's laws. Now, what does the Bible tell us not to do? The Bible plainly tells us that we are not to add or take away from the Word of God. We cannot. That is inspired by God. So we don't touch that. We read it, and we go with what it says. Don't add to it. Don't take away to it from it. We, we have these different versions of the Bible out here now. I won't harp on this much, but you know where I stand on this. They have these different versions of the Bible. So many versions of the Bible have taken out God's Word. They've taken out, uh, go on into the NIV, and it's completely taken out the blood. It's missing 72 verses in it already. They don't want to talk about blood. You can't take that out. You can't read the Bible and take out what, what offends you, what you don't like, which is what's going on. We, we're not allowed to do that. Man-made laws will get you in trouble. When you have taken the Word of God and you put man-made spin on it, you're going to get in trouble. Jesus is plainly telling us we can't do that. We're not allowed to do that. Jesus saying he came not to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill. He's saying that God's law still applies to us. It still applies in this age of grace that we live in now. The law still applies to us. We've got to be careful. We've got to follow the rules. We've got to be law-abiding, heavenly citizens. We have to. Because Jesus is telling us he's following them. We're to follow him. He didn't destroy or abolish it. We know that. We're saved by grace through faith, but we are not exempt from following the laws. Again, we look at salvation as a get-out-of-jail-free get card. It's not what it is. We are not exempt from the laws. We are to follow the rules. Just like Jesus, just follow the rules. That's all he's asking us to do. As Christians, we're obligated to follow God's law. Number two, we'll have to give an account for breaking the rules. This is one nobody likes to talk about. We don't, we don't want to give an account. We don't want to tell anybody what we did. We don't want to talk about where we got in trouble. You remember when you was in school and you got in trouble and you had to come home and you had to tell your parents what you did? Yeah, we don't like to talk about that because we know what the outcome is about to be. We was going to tell them, then we was going to get our, tan, our tail tanned. We was going to get wore out. We have to give an account for breaking these rules. Verse 19 tells us, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We can't be salt and light in the world until we know how to be salt and light of the world. We've got we to gotta learn how to be that salt and light, and we learn that through the Word of God. We've got to follow God's law. If we will follow the rules, we'll learn how to be salt and light. But we've got to follow the rules. Great things happen when you obey the law. When you, when you obey the law, think about traffic laws. You obey the law, your insurance stays down, don't it? You don't, you're not in wrecks. You don't get tickets. When you obey traffic laws, great things happen. When you obey the laws of God, Great things happen. He'll bless you. He'll take care of you. He'll grow you. You'll see his love. 
You, you'll get closer to Him when you obey His laws. When you do what He's asked you to do, you have a closer relationship with Him. And that's all He's asking us to do. Just follow His laws. God's laws tell us how to be good. That's, ain't that great? We have direction on how to be good. We're born... How long did it take Kylie to learn how to be mean? Like a week, two weeks? <laughs> Who's mean? Kylie's mean, and you're mean too, ain't you? You're an angel, ain't you? He's a power ranger, not an angel. <laughs> Is that what you said? <laughs> we, we're born pretty good. Right now, Clayton's pretty good. He just... Sleeps and eats and poops. That's about it. Pretty good kid. Well, then they grow up. They start getting a little older, and they start getting a little meaner. And a little meaner, and a little meaner. They do. They're, they're not going to stay innocent all the time. God, God's law tells us how to be good because we have a sinful nature. We need to be reminded how to be good. So when we're reminded how to be good, what's the opposite of good? Bad. So we do all the good things. If we're doing good things... We're not going to be doing the bad things. We want to do the good things. Now remember, it's, 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 it's works after salvation. It's not the good things that's getting us into heaven. All right? it's, just, it's just being saved that gets us into heaven. But after we're saved, we, wouldn't, we shouldn't want to do bad things. We just want to do good things. We want to do good things for God. We want to do good things for God's people. We just want to be a good person. That's what we want to be. As long as we are focused on what is good, what is right, what is righteous, then we're not going to want to do the bad, sinful things. Stay on the good side, stay away from the bad side. We have to understand as believers that we will have to give an account before God for what we have done. That's scary, ain't it? That's really, when you stop and think, just for a second, just this week, of the bad things that you've done. Think just this week, of all the sinful things that you have done. And then times that by however many weeks you've been around. You've got to give an account for all that. We'll have time. It won't take long. In God's time, it won't take long for us to give an account for it. But we've got to give an account for those bad things. I'd much rather stand before God and talk about all the good things that we've done, that I've done, that he's done with me or for me, or all the good things that I've done for him here on earth. I'd rather do that, but we're still going to have to give an account for the bad things because we're all sinners. We've all sinned against God, and we've got to give an account for that. Now, we're not going to be judged by following the law to see if we get into heaven. When we get there and we've got to stand before God, we're not going to be judged by that, by if we followed the law or not. We're not going to be judged. He's not going to say, well, you, you broke one of these Ten Commandments or you didn't follow this law so you can't get into heaven. That's, that's, not, that's not how you get into heaven. Heaven is through salvation, through Jesus Christ. That's how we're going to get in. But we've got to give an account for what we did bad down here, for where we sinned against God. Now, Jesus, he's going to address that issue next verse, and we'll talk about that in a second. I don't want to get off, off subject. We'll be judged by God's standard according to how we lived as believers as christians how are we living good or bad how are we li are we are we being the christian that he's called us to be are we being the disciples that we're called to be are we living the life that we are supposed to be as christians or 
Are we holding that card again, that get-out-of-jail-free card? Are we holding that thing again, saying, I can do whatever I want to. I've been saved. I can sin all I want to. Oh, I don't have to repent. I just do whatever I want to. That's not the life he wants us to live. That's why Jesus said what he said over in verse 19. I'll say it again. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. If you willfully sin without repenting and teach others to do the same, you will have to give an account for that. That's the dangerous part. If we live in sin and we tell others it's okay to do it, we have to give an account for that. And, I, and their, their blood is on your hands. If you live that kind of life, if you live that kind of life where you say, I can go and sin and I don't feel guilty for it and I don't have to repent, and then you tell others, hey, I go to church, I, I can sin, I can get by with it because I go to church, you got to give an account for that because that's not the way, it don't work that way. It has nothing to do with going to church. It has to do with that relationship that you have with Jesus. If you have, if you truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you wouldn't want to go out and sin, and you definitely wouldn't go tell others that it's okay to sin and don't have to tell God or ask God for forgiveness. That's not how that works. Jesus is plainly telling us that again. He said, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and teach, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Think about all these TV evangelists that are out there right now. They're going to have to give an account for the way, not all of them, but don't, don't take that the wrong way. There's, there's, there's some good ones out there. But there are so many out there also that b- believe in, in the sugar-coated Gospels and the love Gospels and, and the prosperity Gospels that they've gotten so far away from the Word of God. They're going to have to give an account for what they have said and done and for them leading God's sheep astray the way that they have. Christian organizations the same way. There can be leaders in these Christian organizations that have that they believe and they do certain things a certain way. It is not by the Bible. And they're going to have to give an account for that. Preachers. You don't have to be TV evangelists. Pastors. The same way. They might stand behind this pulpit. But if they're not preaching the word of God, and they're not sticking with the word of God, and they start leading the flock away, and they start getting into cult-like activities, they're going to have to give an account for that we give an account for the sin and for the bad things that we've done jesus went on, also went over on the other side here he said whoever makes it their life's practice to follow god's law and teach others to do the same they'll be called great that's the second part of verse 19 here he says but whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of god that's what he's asking us to do live a godly life Live, live a, as righteous a life as possible. Just live by the word. That's all he's asking us to do. Just live by the word. Live by the rules that he has set before us and teach others to do it. Simple enough, ain't it? Live right. Live by the word and teach others to do the same. We've got youngins here. We've got young adults here. We have to continue to teach them. Even though they're, they're growing up or some may be in high school, some are in college or some are... Are, are done for right now, but they're still young adults. We still got to be teaching them. That's the next generation of church leaders that we have. So we have to teach them what is right. 
and stick with it. They're watching us, believe it or not. I, I don't know that Ethan's watching. I've heard some tales about his preaching, and I don't think that's from me. <laughs> I don't think that's me anyway. But they're watching us. They're watching every move, every word that comes out of our mouths. They're listening to us. They see what we're doing. They hear what we're saying. And they're going to remember it. We've got to be careful. Now, that's what God wants us. And again, Jesus told us right here that whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. As long as we're doing what is right, what is biblically right, what is biblically sound, whatever is doctrinally sound, as long as we're doing that and teaching these this next generation coming up, then we're accepted. We will be called great in, this, in the kingdom of God. Sin or breaking God's law should, be, should not be our life's practice. Yeah, we're born sinners. We're going to die sinners. But sinning shouldn't be our business. We're not in the business of sinning. We should be in, I hate to call it a business, but we, we ought to be in the, the business of saving. We need to be in the business of, of reaching out to the lost and, and, and helping them the best that we can and leading them to salvation. That should be what we're here to do. Making disciples and seeing folks saved. Not sinning, breaking God's laws. Now, do you see the, the judgment in, in that verse? It says, shall be called least and shall be called greatest. Did you catch those? Shall be. You're called least and greatest after you go through the judgment. It has nothing to do with this right now. We're not least and greatest right now. We're not on a scale here on earth. We're not the least or the greatest. We're not going to get into that argument like the disciples did about who's going to be the greatest. That's not for here. That's for after the judgment. Shall They shall be called. I won't be called great. Not here. Lord knows I ain't going to be called great here. But I won't be called great when I get to heaven because I've done what he's asked me to do. I've stayed with the word, done the best that I can. And I've tried to help lead up a generation to run, to oversee the church, do the best that I can. We have to realize we'll have to give an account for breaking those rules. And always got to remember that. Third thing, righteousness is required for entrance into heaven. Just hang on to this one. Righteousness is required to get into heaven. Verse 20 says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now imagine how this would have sounded to the Jews of Jesus' days. Can you imagine? I, when I read this, I can see them running out of the synagogue, stripping their clothes off, and getting into a thing of ashes and putting on sackcloth. I can see them absolutely just destroyed by hearing Jesus say those words. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. The Pharisees during that day were the, the model, they were the poster children of Judaism. They were supposedly well respected back then. They worked really hard to follow the law of God, and that includes the oral and the scribal law. They worked really hard to follow the laws. They worked at obeying 
thousands and thousands and thousands of rules and regulations that they had came up with. Some of them were biblical and some of them were not. They were man-made. But from their dress code to their social behavior to the ministry to their work, they were strict. They tried to follow those rules. But what did they lack? Do you ever think about what these, these Pharisees, these scribes, what they lacked? One thing. One, they, one thing. Only one. Again, they, they followed the rules. They done everything right, but they missed one thing. Jesus. They liked Jesus. Of all the things that they had done in this world, they never, ever accepted Jesus. They would not deny themselves and seek their righteousness in Jesus. They were righteous. In their own eyes, in their own heart, they were righteous. That's sad. Many people are religious and want acceptance in the kingdom of God through their religious activities. They believe they're righteous in their own right. They're righteous because of what they do. I sing in a choir, I, I lead the youth, or I, I teach Sunday school, or I do all these things. I, I pray, I give prayer vigils, and I do all these things for the, the, the church of God. I do all these great things for the kingdom of God, and they're relying on their self-righteousness to get into heaven. And it don't work that way. They're still just like the scribes and Pharisees. They're missing that one thing. Jesus. Deny themselves pick up their cross, and follow him. That's what they're missing. Here's the thing. Religious activities will never make them acceptable in the kingdom. If they don't have Jesus, all these things that they're trying to do don't matter. they got to have Jesus. What is righteousness? So in the Bible, righteousness has a double meaning. It means to be right and to do right, or you can say it is to do good and be good. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. We can interpret righteousness this way. Uh, left to our own devices as humans, no one is good or seeks to do good. And we can't. If it was up to us, we, we couldn't do it. There's no way we can make it to heaven just by being good. Just trying to, to do the best that we can, we couldn't do it. We needed a Savior. We needed somebody to fulfill the, the prophecy. We needed someone. We needed a sacrifice. So that through someone that is righteous, we would become righteous. But we would have to deny ourselves and follow him. We needed him. Even on our best, very best day, we're not righteous in God's sight. Sunday morning, we, we're all, we all feel pretty righteous on a Sunday morning, don't we? Get up, we're going to church, we're going to go into God's house and we're going to worship and we're going to sing and we're going to praise and we're going to pray and we're going to fellowship. We're going to do all these great things in God's house. I'm going to be righteous today. No, you're not. Because we're going to leave here. I think I've got the longest drive and I'm going to sin on the way home because some Floridian is going to pull out in front of me and I'm going <laughs> to say, say something or think something. I'm not righteous. I'm not righteous. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to slip today. I'm going to slip up. You're going to slip up today or tomorrow. We're going to slip up. We're going to, we're going to sin. We're not righteous. So what the Pharisees were, were missing was the righteousness that makes a person righteous in God's sight. What they were missing 
was the Savior. What they were missing was Jesus. They were missing what makes them acceptable to God in order to enter in the kingdom of heaven. They were missing Jesus. There is no entry into heaven if God ain't stamped your ticket with the blood of Jesus. If you ain't asked Jesus into your heart, I don't care how hard you work. I don't care how much you put in tithing. I don't care how many churches you build, how many mission trips you go on. If you ain't got Jesus, you ain't getting in. That's it. That's it. Scribes, Pharisees, done all kinds of great things, but they did it because they were self-righteous. They did not have Jesus. Jesus met all the earthly requirements that we could never meet. Shedding of his blood, by the shedding of his blood, he was able to fulfill the laws. But it was by the shedding of his blood. Righteousness is required to enter the kingdom of heaven. Not self-righteousness. It's the blood of Jesus. And the righteousness of Jesus that we receive when we accept him. Not just any righteousness, though. It is his righteousness. We have to be true disciples by sticking out of the crowd and by being that salt and light. We got, that's true discipleship. You may not say a lot, like Keith was talking about in Sunday school this morning. Sometimes we come to church and we, we don't say hardly anything to anybody. But it just feels good to be here. It's where the Holy Spirit's working in each other's hearts. That's, that's, that's what it is. That's the Holy Spirit. It's just, he's just working in us. And he's, he's putting a smile on your face. He's making you feel good this morning, I hope. But what he's asking us to do is to, to be that salt, be that light. When we leave the church, is when you're feeling good when you leave church, let that light shine when you go out. Now, there's one thing. I'm going to close with this right here. There's one thing that I, I just don't understand. Christians that want to take their Christian liberty or freedom too far too far their biggest excuse is jesus abolished the law he abolished the law that's not what he said it's not what we just read as christians we do have freedom the freedom to live and, and to act within the guidelines that god has set up we do have freedoms but we got to keep it between genesis and revelation that's our guidelines that's what we have to follow so these laws, these rules that we have between the beginning and the end of the, the Bible, that's what we need to follow. Christians won't have to stand before God and weigh out how many rules they kept and how many they broke to see if they're going to get into heaven. I'm thankful for that. We're not going to have to stand before God and, and say, all right, here's all the, all the rules that I kept, God, and here's all the rules that... I broke, and then see which ones outweigh the other. And if all the broken rules outweigh the kept rules, then we don't get in. That's not how heaven works. And I'm thankful for that. We received that freedom when we came to Jesus, but we still have to follow those rules. Don't be a rule breaker. Keep the rules. Follow the law. Follow the rules that he's laid before us. If Jesus did it, we should too. We should too. Stand with me. Close out.
Follow the rules. That's all we ask. Christian, that's all we ask your students, ain't it? Just follow the rules. That's it. That's all we ask. Just, just obey the rules. Nat, that's all you ask for when you at the police department. Just follow the rules. I won't stop you for speeding if you just follow the rules. Just follow the rules. That's all God asks of us. Follow what the Word of God says. You'll be in good shape. Mike, will you dismiss us, please? See y'all hopefully Wednesday.